2: Welcome in to Daily Face-Off Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Happy Monday, hockey fans, and welcome into another week of Daily Face-Off Live. As always, streaming live on the Daily Face-Off YouTube, where we are looking for inbox questions, and as always, brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at botano.ca. I'm Tyler Ramchuk. He is our Daily Face-Off Insider, Frank Saravali, Frank, how was your weekend?
3: That was busy. Lots of hockey. Uh, lots of hockey to watch. Lots of phone calls and a fresh new deal for William Nylander and the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Yeah, with uh, 19 televised games nationally this week in the NHL. Hockey fans have plenty of reasons to smile. William Nylander has 92 million reasons to smile. So let's dig into it. The Toronto Maple Leafs making it official about 10 minutes ago, Frank, they have agreed to terms with William Nylander on a historic deal a franchise record contract for william nylander 92 million dollars and as you noted frank 69 million of that coming in the way of a signing bonus as well so nylander gets full trade protection with the no move and no trade clause he gets a ton of signing bonus money as well and the toronto maple leafs they get to keep the core four locked together for a few more seasons
3: yeah till 2032 for william nylander the longest of any leaf, the first one in that group outside of John Tavares to really take the plunge and go for the full eight years. Kind of hard to say no when someone's offering you $92 million and structured almost exactly the way that you want it. So this is a huge moment for the Leafs. And, you know, I I look at it and I say, on the one hand, I understand why you want to keep the player. He's been such a special player this season, but on the other hand, I think that the Leafs have bought with William Nylander at the exact top of market and top of market for Nylander's game. If you look at the salary cap rankings for next season and where the Toronto Maple Leafs slot into that picture, William Nylander is going to be tied for the fifth highest salary cap hit in the NHL next season at 11.5. And you've got four guys on the Toronto Maple Leafs inside the top 10. Nylander's been unreal this year. Last year, he had a great season, finished twentieth in league scoring. But if you were to draft the players in the NHL, and we see, you know, Nylander check in two hundred and fifty thousand more per year on the salary cap hit over David Pasternak, so he gets an additional two million bucks. No issue with the player getting paid. My question is, if you were to draft the players in the league, where would William Nylander go? It certainly wouldn't. He wouldn't be the fifth player taken. And so I get what the Leafs were up against in trying to have to pay market price in order to keep the player and it beats the alternative of having him walk for nothing. I just think that this is a deal that, you know, in five years time, it's still going to be top of market in terms of what his production is relative to that. You're never going to have a moment with William Nylander on this contract where I think you're getting surplus value. And that's the tough part for the Toronto Maple Leafs to figure out is they're building out the rest of their team.
0: Well frank if we're being honest here has this leafs organization won a single one of these negotiations with their stars i mean mitch marner you paid market value and walked him right to unrestricted free agency which is what he would have wanted with austin the first time you paid top dollar and you walked him to unrestricted free agency even this last deal with matthews you couldn't get him to an eight-year term even though you make him the highest paid player in the nhl and this nylander one if i was in that seat if i was brad tree living and you said it's eleven five, or you let them walk. I, I take the eleven five. I don't hate the deal at all. But they haven't won a single one of these contracts. And you could probably lump Morgan Riley in there as well.
3: Yeah, there's just no surplus value to be had anywhere. You're having to find it on the margins, which is really tough to do in a league that I think at times is certainly watered down in terms of the overall talent. And that's really the tough part of, of where the Leafs are at. Right now, it doesn't really hurt their salary cap structure. They're basically handing all $4.5 million of the projected salary cap increase and putting it in William Elanders' pocket, which is fine. He's deserved it. They have to get through one year, one more year of John Tavares at $11 bucks before you can try and convince him to stay on a hometown discount. They've got TJ Brody coming off the books, Max Domi, um, you know, go through the list, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. They can find a way to ice a really competitive team next year. But until this team is better balanced out, and we've got a lot to figure out at this deadline with Brad tree living in terms of how he reshapes and, and conducts some surgery on this defense core, you could have some money coming over from Ilya Samsonov. If you move him, you have the money from John Klingberg to go out and spend. They needed to get this Nylander one done first to then figure out if they might be able to go out and acquire a defenseman that has some term to know what their salary cap picture looks like. I understand the prioritization. All I'm saying is moving forward. I don't know right now today that the Leafs are any closer to being a cup contender.
0: Yeah, Sugar Show is in on the Twitter and says, you don't think we got more value from his last contract in contrast to his performance. I mean, but again, you walked him right to unrestricted free agency. Like if you would have bought a UFA year or two, then then maybe I I would agree that he outperformed it, but I mean, 6.9 was a good contract. I'm not saying it's not, but it just seems like with all these, they had to make these concessions and and they didn't get a lot of wins in them. Aside from, I guess, getting to keep the player a fluff head, a Leafs fan in the YouTube says it's a terrible si- time to sign him. His value couldn't possibly get any higher at this point. I'll ask you, Frank, how much extra money do you think Neilander made himself with his performance thus far this season?
3: Somewhere between 10 and $15 million. I think heading into this year, heading you know, the tail end of summer, the Leafs were probably hoping, wishing, praying that they could give him a $3 million raise and get him in at 10. Uh, They've made the bridge to go the extra distance to get him in at 11, five and get it signed, sealed and delivered and done. I, I get that part of it. And you say, okay, what's a million and a half bucks on a salary cap that will pretty soon be a hundred million dollars. The answer is not a ton but still consider the alternative. I I think whoever made that comment framed it exactly perfectly. His value couldn't possibly get any higher. And I just don't know how many teams out there, how many are possibly, no one can spend $92 million over seven years. So it was always the total dollars that were available were always with the Leafs. And it seems like they paid a premium on top of it.
0: Yeah. So Nylanders locked in in Toronto. Marner Tavares one more year left on their deals. Austin Matthews and his new 13.25 million dollar extension. That'll kick in at the same time as William Nylanders. Frank, uh, let's talk a little bit about the other big story from the weekend, and that's the Chicago Blackhawks losing Connor Bedard. Uh, It's a fractured jaw for Bedard. This morning on the DFO rundown, you shared some insight into potentially the time frame.
3: Yeah, the Blackhawks are still looking at, you know, what exactly is the best route forward here with Connor Bedard? Does he need surgery? They're hoping to get to that answer potentially as soon as today, maybe tomorrow at the latest. It looks like the initial projection is somewhere between a six and eight week time frame, which is just brutal news for Connor Bedard, who was of course selected to his first NHL all-star team uh, in Toronto this year. Would have been a great sort of showcase for him and the great season that he's had this year as a rookie, but um, certainly seems like he's not going to be available for all-star, although that has not been official just yet. And so kind of an innocuous play. I don't really think there's any fault here with regards to the hit. I don't know that Bedard could have done anything much better. As you see, Brendan Smith come in and make the hit. I don't know if he could have braced himself any better. Just unfortunate timing all the way around.
0: In a way, almost similar to the McDavid injury in his rookie season, where that one is just like, okay, Connor McDavid is going so fast, things like that might happen. And here with Bedard, it's like, yeah, he is skating very fast. He's not that tall, and if he's going to be successful, he brings the puck to the middle of the ice. So it's one of those things I think is just uh, in a way unavoidable. I I understand the Blackhawks' reaction in the game; all hell kind of broke loose after that. Nick Foligno now out as well as a result of uh, of standing up for his teammate. But um, that Chicago Blackhawks forward group, Frank decimated it's an understatement
3: it's if you look at their opening night lineup they're down to five of the 13 forwards that they had in their original opening night lineup it's crazy to think of where this team is at at this exact moment in time mostly an ahl roster here i mean that's the truth of it and they're trying to to get through and and make it work but every time they turn around and bring in a zach sanford off of waivers or you know whoever it might be to try and fill out this roster group it's another one goes down due to injury
0: taylor hall tyler johnson anthony bovillier andreas Athanasiou, nick felino and taylor radish are the forwards that join Connor bedard out of the lineup right now and oh yeah their best defenseman as well with seth jones is uh, is not there so in a sick twisted way, maybe a blessing in disguise, Frank, maybe the Hawks go like over their next 12 and they get a better chance of landing Macklin Celebrini. I don't know. Let's look for positive somewhere, right?
3: Hey, look, uh, they've had some lottery success before. Uh, they're certainly going to be in a prime position battling it out to the finish with the San Jose sharks to potentially win number one overall for the second year in a row. And that would also cap them. They wouldn't be able to win number one overall for a, Another four year span after that. So maybe you could get it out of the way, get Celebrini and Bedard in back to back years and the makings of something special in Chicago.
0: 33 points in 39 games for Connor Bedard before the injury. And if you looked on Botano before the weekend, Frank Bedard was a minus 750, minus 800 favorite to win the Calder. And now maybe that gap starts to close, as you said, potentially six to eight weeks out of the lineup. And we've seen in the past McDavid again, his injury killed his chances of winning the calder so if it's not going to be a bedard let's do a little heat check here on the calder race is there anyone on this list as we look at the rookie point leaders that really stands out to you
3: brock faber in the eight spot on the points list but it's not the points that have been impressive it's been his impact on the minnesota wild you look at that 24 47 per game stepping up in huge moments for the wild at a time when They were missing some of their best defensemen, including Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen, has gone down. It's been some tough sledding in Minnesota with injuries to core pieces. And Brock Faber has immediately become one of those core pieces for many. And they're in a spot where they need him every night. He'd be the guy at the top of my Calder list. But I'm going to say this. If Connor Bedard can come back even after six to eight weeks, whatever the time frame ends up being, and plays at the same level that he did to start this year, given the lack of support that he's had, I wouldn't hesitate at all to vote him for Calder. It's a push and pull between the best rookie who we all know is Conor Bedard and the best rookie season. But for me, with how special he was to start this year, I don't know that you can say that he also definitely didn't have the best rookie season.
2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation.
0: yeah and that's where i I, i'm torn on it too because like if he still comes back and plays in 60 games and is a point per game through 60 games and no other d-man is i'm not sure if there's a great argument against Connor bedard even with the injury uh just quickly on brock faber you talk about a time when they need him we were joking about the Blackhawks and their cap at Frank, the most expensive defenseman in the Minnesota wild lineup right now is Jake Middleton at 2.45 million. And then Galagoski's right behind him. And goligoski has been in and out of the lineup all season. So the fact that Brock Faber is looking like a number one pairing guy and also give some love to Marco Rossi, his teammate who's right behind yeah. Bedard on that rookie points leader list. When you got all the dead cap space, mini does having those two for I'll do the math 1.75 million dollars. That'll help.
3: Such a big part, drafting and development. We did that all along for Minnesota. They needed key contributors on entry-level contracts. And with Faber, look how how much of a win-win that deal has been with the LA Kings. Faber for Fiala, and you get a first in there? I mean, that's pretty darn good.
0: Uh, we're talking about cap hits, and Jason Greger did the math for us. That Blackhawks forward group that played the Calgary Flames the other night, a combined 13.9 million. Jonathan Huberto alone is 10 and a half. And Frank, the Calgary Flames still found a way to lose that hockey game for all the jokes about it being an AHL lineup for Chicago. They got the job done the other night. And this Calgary Flames free fall continues. We've talked a lot about them being one of those teams in the mushy middle here. And you look at this last little stretch for them. It's not great. Are they may be making Craig Conroy's decision for him.
3: Yeah, I think the decision is kind of easy at this point for a team that's sub 500. You're not winning with these guys. Maybe aside from potentially Noah Hannafin, who you you can't get rid of everyone. You probably need to keep one of those pieces. He has made sense for the longest time as someone to keep based on the structure of their defense. But look, this team, oddly enough, got through the toughest part of their season schedule with a decent record. Um you know, they went through the slog of playing the best teams in the West and some of the best teams in the East and came through it in fine shape. I think one game over 500. The problem is what you're supposed to enjoy on the back end of this games against a team like Chicago. You can't give those games and points away when you're trying to get in the race. Feels early to call it, but I'm not so certain that the Calgary Flames are are officially even in the race right now
0: yeah and I mean I think it's easy to sit and go what do you mean they're 39 points they're two points out of a playoff spot but then you sort by points percentage and look and go okay you have to clear in the back half of the season because the flames are at 40 games you have to clear mini Arizona Seattle St. Louis just to get one spot away from catching one of Edmonton or Nashville and if you look at the fact Minnesota should knock on wood for wild wild fans only get healthier the task doesn't seem insurmountable but it seems unlikely that the calgary flames get back into it certainly a team to watch heading into the trade deadline certainly a team to watch when we get frank Saravalli's next trade targets board which will be coming later this week maybe even as soon as tomorrow over on dailyfaceoff.com we'll be breaking that down on tomorrow's show but for now let's get to the big segment of today's show the coaches' room with john goyans The Coach's Room, as always, is delivered by DoorDash. Maybe you want to cook less. Maybe you want to try more local restaurants. You can do it all in 2024 with DoorDash. And for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 more when they download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25. John Goyens stopping by as he does every Monday for his first appearance of 2024. So Happy New Year to you, John Goyens, and Happy New Year to New York Rangers fans who are still watching a team that is sitting atop the Eastern conference, tied with the Boston Bruins right now. Let me start with this. Are the New York Rangers, a juggernaut?
1: Or a juggernaut. I know I got it. It's the new year. I, everybody wants me to get rid of puns and silly dad jokes. There's no chance in hell. I'm I'm going strong. Um, I don't think they're there yet. Right. It's, it's, statistically uh, we're going to break this down there's a lot of similarities to last year to be honest whether it be analytically or or what i kind of call the black and white stats i just covered their game on saturday night and i get a great view from up top uh at the bell center and obviously there's a couple guys out in caco and Heedle which would really solidify that top nine and create a really solid identity identity line on the fourth line but i i think that they're there's a upticks in certain areas that have helped them bump their winning percentage by 9% compared to where they were last year at this time. And I think that there's also some teams that have slipped out of the gate that has also lent itself to them being first in their division versus them just being completely dominant the way they were
3: uh, out of the gate this year. So I'm a little bit surprised to hear you say that because – I've watched the Rangers pretty closely this year, and I can't help but think back to last year and and how over-reliant they were on Igor Shesterkin going back a couple years because of the way that I think eye test-wise they played in their own end. So when you take a look at this year and some of the upticks that this team has had, what's enabled them to get to a 9% improvement in winning percentage compared to last year?
1: Well, if we bring up some of the uh, the stats here for uh, for this year, you look at the halfway point last year and you look at the goals for, goals against, goals per game, all that type of stuff, but five on five scoring, right? Last year at this time of the year, they were uh, plus 10 in the five on five scoring. This year, they're actually uh, at a minus three. Um, and, and the thing is, is it's close. All the numbers are relatively close. But that power play uptick, six full percent, they've actually scored more goals in 20, 20 fewer opportunities at this time last year. Their penalty killing has improved. And they're, so they're both in the top uh, top 10. Goal tending, the backup goal tending has improved. Now, this year, I also want everybody to kind of, and I'm trying not to be too negative in 2024, but you look at the winning percentage, out of the gate, the first 21 games, it's 789, right? PPPK have relatively stayed within the same range. But when you look at the wins and losses and the winning percentage, Frank's a big winning percentage guy, is there's a big difference here. There's a there's a big difference in what's going on now. Injuries play into that. Some teams are starting to wake up and all that type of stuff. But I think that before we can... Uh, or I would label them as as a juggernaut going into the second half of the year. It's going to be some health needs to come back and, and help their lineup and their depth and potentially uh, a move or two. So let's so take what, a
3: closer look at their power play and, and take a look at that video. What are you seeing here? What makes it so good to be the top in the league?
1: Their movement, their, their decoys, like Kreider's a decoy right here. There's this give and go play with Trocheck, and we're going to get two clips like this. And, and at any given point, you have these four right-handed players, and then you have one of the best net presence guys in, in the entire league. Again, watch Kreider's known for his net presence. Watch him play this little spot, and then check the give-and-go. And if you don't – if you cover him, well, then Panarin's open. Now on a four-on-three, you have you have Adam Fox, Norris Trophy winner, on the goal line, right? So now you have Panarin, who's the QB. And as these give and goes happen – then Panarin's able to really get on top of the slot. Here, it looks like a little broken play. Well, again, everybody's got you guessing, and they can quick strike off of broken plays almost better than anybody. And their power play has been consistent all year. So, again, who's supposed to be the QB? Usually Fox. Well, now you got Panarin there. They have the absence of bumper, which I'm a huge fan of, and they really get you guessing. But watch this pick right there. Adam Fox went to Harvard and it wasn't a safety school for sure. High IQ play right there to block any opportunity of the PK to come out. And then when in doubt, Zibanejad, he's just going to hunt this puck down. He looks like a hunter with that hair and that facial hair. And he strikes and he's able to just tap it in. And when in doubt, when you got guys like Lefrenier and Wheeler and Gustafson on your second power play, you need a quick strike. Well, they're going to bury this in six seconds right off the draw. So it's it's been moving real quickly. It's interchangeable. You see guys in different spots. You see right now Panarin's on the one T spot, Zibanejad's in the slot, and Trocheck's back door. So their ability to interchange and say no instead of being robots and going X marks the spot, they're able to move around, interchange, and move pucks quite quickly with having a lot of body movement as well.
0: So, looking at five on five, then what are some areas you want them to take to improve?
1: Well, I co- We covered the LA Kings in the one three one neutral zone, and and I, I alluded to the fact that the Rangers have a one three one in the neutral zone. They don't play it all the time. They play it especially against regroups, but it's not as tight, and it's not doing what the LA King. They are near the bottom third in the league in rush against uh, defense. They are near the bottom of the league in neutral zone defensive plays, and they're near the bottom of the league of teams dumping pucks on, uh, against them. So they're not forcing that dump in as much as they should be with a one-three-one. whereas LA ranks near the top in all those categories. So I think their neutral zone needs to be tighter. Line changes need to be tighter in the neutral zone. But as we fire up these five or six clips, you'll see where it's a bit loose. And teams that are transitioning quickly, like here against Montreal, it's not getting that physicality involved. It's not getting those stick checks involved. And then all of a sudden, it's creating opportunities for teams to strike off of areas where they shouldn't otherwise have those opportunities. Again, Montreal from Saturday night versus a set breakout. I, I couldn't even tell you what that formation is, right? It, it, it was supposed to be a one three one. It looked like a 3-2 and it, and it's fine it happens you can be disjointed at times but now you look like you have a 122 two. you got this huge gap and it's just too easy it's a 2 on 5 rush at that point and they're able carolina to get below the goal line with possession they are not killing plays as quickly as possible tampa watch Hedman pull it to the middle and he's going to hit the inside versus a line change bang it's inside bang, it's an opportunity to put Shusterkin deep on his goal line. Again, Tampa's going to come up with speed. Too big a gap and a bad line change on the back end right there by F1. Leaves a ton of space. And look at this. They're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Whereas some of the better teams, and, and again, it's not about being a proponent for a 1-3-1 one, one versus a 1-2-2 two, two or any of that. Everybody's going to be on the same page, and you got to be able to kill plays early and take away time and space. So the say, num- the numbers Sorry. would
3: say that there's not been a huge change this year for the New York Rangers at five on five. Their, their special teams have been better, but you think it might be just as simple as Jonathan Quick playing lights out? That is the big reason why the New York Rangers, you know, one year on are in such a better position in the standings.
1: Well, right now the, the goalies combined are – at even strength, their inner slot save percentage is ninth in the league. But even more importantly, their PK, right? Their PK has a, a, a substantial uptick this year. Their uh, inner slot save percentage is fifth in the league right now. And the other part to it, and as we can see with the graph, the backup goalies right now, Demeng has one win. The two of them combined have 10 wins. Halak had 10 wins all of last year. You're 38 games in and your backups have combined for 10 wins. That's astronomical. If they could get 20 wins throughout the year, then maybe that also helps with that push towards the Rangers becoming a juggernaut. And the saves that Jonathan Quick and Shusterkin have been making have been phenomenal, especially in tight throughout the uh, inner slot.
0: So let's roll some tape on the goalies here. Let us know what you're seeing here.
1: Well, there are two goalies that definitely play differently, but Quick is so acrobatic, and look at that save. Like, I mean, how is that maybe not up for save of the decade? Again, that loose gap, well, boom. Quick is, even though he kind of plays low to the ice and chest low to the ice, he's on top of it, and I just feel like his reactions to a lot of East-West plays through the inner slot have been really, really sharp. And then you got Shesterkin, whose chest is up way more. He's a lot more square. And you're going to watch him on this save on the one T. Watch him beat the pass. He beats the pass. He's fully square with this one T. And Stamkos, who's an elite shooter, has nothing. Again, loose gap. It's just Kucherov. Shosturkin's able to match his speed coming through the neutral zone and be square and even get a stick on it. So I think there's still, still some tweaks to be uh, had for them to be considered a juggernaut going into the playoffs.
0: You can find him on Twitter at Gourmet underscore hockey. He works for TSN 690 as a color commentator. And you find him here every Monday with the coach's room. John, thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Let's move along to our daily Faceoff inbox question. Hashtag Ask DFO. And it's brought to you by Tourism Jasper. We are just over, just under two weeks away. From the pond hockey tournament out at the fairmont jpl and it's all possible because of our friends at tourism jasper frank hockey collective is in and says with this deal in mind this deal being the Neilander contract what does elias petterson get on his next deal
3: starts with a 12 i'll tell you that much
0: so uh and do you think that'll be again a long-term deal that he gets or will he go the bridge row? because again we were talking about the leafs having four of the top 10 capets in the league marner might get bumped out if neil or if petterson gets that long-term deal
3: Yeah, he would out of the top five, but doesn't really say much. And I just think when you take a look at the difference in position as well, um, and you look at, I I think when I watch Pedersen's game, I feel like he's just beginning to scratch the surface. And we were talking about ceiling with Nylander. I think he's there right now.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's in that 12, 12 and a half range for Pedersen. Let's move along to our daily bets for Botano. A couple of plays tonight as the NHL kicks off. Their week, and we will start with a little shot prop parlay. I'm looking at a couple of defensemen who have both hit this mark of one and a half in four consecutive games. We were giving Brock Faber a lot of love earlier on. He's been crushing this as of late. So has Jacob Truba for the aforementioned New York Rangers. So the picks are on brand for today's show and the numbers back it up. Play them together. You get a nice juicy plus 175. And also, speaking of that Canucks Rangers game, I am rolling with the under. If it ends up being Chesterkin versus Demko, lock it in. So as always, keep an eye on dailyfaceoff.com for the confirmed starters. But I think if you're going to give me two elite goalies going head to head, I did this last week with Vasilevsky and Hellebuck and it worked out. I think it's going to work out again. Rangers Canucks under six and a half at the minus 118 price tag, which Frank, it brings us to our garbage time for the day. And it's brought to you by Wendy's and the daily faceoff survivor game. You know, stats like shots on goal, SOG, GAA, PPG for points per game. But Frank, you can't overlook bpmm the wendy's bacon portobello mushroom melt you can't that could be the key to your week whether you're playing the survivor pool or not and you almost won this thing last
3: week i didn't make it to day four so not really you got to get to day four to win I'm, I'm i'm getting closer and this week new week new game look hop in now you could still go on a run and and win the season-long prize of five thousand cash but tonight i'm going with a nate Mac goal against the Boston Bruins at home for the Avs where they're nearly unbeatable. And McKinnon is unreal. 21 games at home this year. Points in all 21 games and 16 goals in 21 home games. So feel like I got a decent chance to get a McKinnon goal and get on to day two and have a chance to win some free food from Wendy's.
0: Not that I'm one to really talk, Frank, but the lock on this slate is Vancouver under one and a half power play goals. They've only done, they've only had two or more power play goals in a game seven times this year. So seven out of 39, you're playing a good team in the New York Rangers. That's a good spot.
3: Yeah, but look, 0% of the pool has taken that. So maybe that's a good play. Get everyone else knocked out and you can continue on, have a better chance to win the free food from Wendy's.
0: Uh, Frank, our garbage time for today. Let's give some love to Max Pacioretty. Great to see him back in the lineup for the Caps.
3: Yeah, nice emotional moment in the Caps locker room after the game. Spencer Carberry, he's done a good job with some of these uh, post-game moments uh, the last few weeks. We saw the one from uh, Tom Wilson when he was selected as an all-star. We talked about that last week, but look at what Max Pacioretty had to say after coming back from two ruptured Achilles tendons. Here we go. Think.
0: think we might have oh. a technical problem with the video player, but anyways, it was a great moment.
3: Yeah, it was. And look, he basically just said it's been a hard couple years to get and work his way back Uh, for this, uh, to get the post-game puck and some post-game love from his teammates. He said the fact that we haven't quit either shows that they have a special group. So we'll see if the Caps can hang in the race. If not, Max Pacioretty might be one of those guys as we get closer to trade deadline to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ovi slowed down, but there's still plenty of great stories on that Capitals. Uh, that Capitals team tied with the Devils for the final playoff spot in the east it was a jam-packed show for us today frank john goins was fantastic we got a big signing out of toronto and the bedard breakdown big shout out to everyone in the youtube who chipped in as well Jeremiah's in whoa a positive cap story i might die uh yes i'm sorry we don't talk a lot of positive cap stuff but the patch Ride thing was great tomorrow trade targets we're breaking it down on the show so you won't want to miss it at noon eastern we'll chat with you then
2: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.